You are listening to Baking Boss Kitchen Secrets with Naomi Rose, the food business talk show that shares with you the reality of what's happening in the food and hospitality industry. I am on a mission to help as many people as possible grow and build successful food businesses. Each week on this podcast, you'll get useful information, top tips, as well as what's really happening in the kitchen behind the scenes. Let's get on to today's show. Hello lovely people and welcome to today's episode of Baking Boss Kitchen Secrets. It's Naomi here. I hope you're having a lovely day. So before I get into today's episode where I am going to be talking about how to crowdfund your baking business, I just want to remind you about the two free guides that I have got for you. If you are thinking of starting a cafe bar or bakery or a home baking business, I've got a really useful guide with 10 easy steps on how to get going with your baking business. Or if you already have a business and you're looking to grow it, it might be that you're just stuck in a rut and you don't know which direction to go in, or you're looking to add in extra income streams, but you just don't have the capacity to work any more hours, then this guide is for you. So they're both available on my website, bakingboss.net, or you can go to my social channels, I am Baking Boss, and go and find them there. I also have my Facebook group, so do come and join my Facebook group too for support for baking business owners or people looking to get into their baking business. It's a place, it's a safe space to come and ask questions, share your wins, and it's about being supportive of each other on our baking journeys. So do come and join me there. It's a food and baking business owners club, but come and find it. You can find it from my social channels as well. So today's episode, I am going to be talking about how to crowdfund your baking business because this is actually an element I did when I had my cafe bar and then I crowdfunded the bakery. And crowdfunding was something that I had I known of. I'd been involved in fundraising in the past, but I never really kind of understood how crowdfunding could really benefit my baking business. When I started to look into it a bit more, I realised actually this could really be great in so many different ways because it's not only a way to get the community to invest. So crowdfunding works where the community invests into your business or your audience that you're wanting invests. So they kind of almost give their money, pay in advance for something that you might give back to them. That's how the idea of crowdfunding works. When I kind of got into finding out a little bit more about it, I realised it was the ultimate marketing campaign. Because if I crowdfunded the bakery that I wanted correctly, it would form as a way of raising the money that I needed. I would find out whether it's actually something my local community wanted because, you know, I thought having a bakery in my local town when there wasn't an artisan bakery there at the time was a great idea. Didn't mean everybody else agreed with me. Running a crowdfunding campaign would show whether that was the case. It also create a lot of PR. There'll be a lot of PR, a lot of media. And there would also then be people that were invested into your business that would then come in your doors and then they would probably buy more things while they're there. So it seemed like a really great way of doing it. But the thing with crowdfunding is you do need to run it in the right way for it to work. I think the statistics say that crowdfunding campaigns, I think only one in four actually actually work. Three quarters of crowdfunding campaigns fail. And it's not necessarily because people have bad ideas because there's so many great ideas that could be so worth the investment. What I think 
people don't necessarily realise is you have to run it like a full on campaign. It's not something you can set up and let it just carry on and hope you will get there. You have to really put a lot of strategy into making it work and giving it its full effort. And that's exactly what I decided to do when I was looking to crowdfund the bakery. So to give you a bit of background, I'd already opened the cafe and bar at my cafe, Elsie Mays, back in 2018. And we had a tiny, tiny kitchen. So I had a range cooker. We we were simple people. We didn't have complicated, big, fancy, full-on kitchen equipment. That's not how we roll. We're a home cafe. We made home-baked stuff. We did a lot of work by hand. We didn't use big mixers or anything like that. We worked with what we were comfortable with and we worked within the means of our kitchen because it was small. But I had this room at the back, which pre-COVID had been used to for group bookings, basically. So I kind of, it was generally, if you had afternoon tea for like 20 or 30 people, we'd go and pop them in that back room out there. But it wasn't really cost effective and it wasn't really making the most of the money it could make in that particular space. And we'd often talked about moving the kitchen up there from downstairs. But when I started kind of thinking about whether the town would benefit from a bakery and whether it's something would want, I thought actually that entire space up there would be ideal to have a bakery kitchen. So we'd keep the kitchen that we already had, which was small, that would work as a service kitchen. And then we could do all of the baked breads, everything else up in that top space where there'll be a lot more space to work in. So we were lucky in the sense that we had the space to develop the bakery. And when I was kind of looking at all the budgets and everything and what we would need to achieve for it to actually be financially viable, it wasn't astronomical in a sense of it was still, you know, £30,000, I think, or just shy of in total to actually open up the bakery and put the bakery kitchen. We did a lot of things secondhand. We didn't need to buy new stuff because that was ridiculously expensive. The stuff that actually cost the money were things like extraction hoods. That was a third of the budget, believe it or not, that was over 10 grand to put the right extraction in, which is absolutely a legal requirement to do in terms of environmental health. So you do need to be very, very aware of that if you're setting up a baking business. Actually, when I looked at what cash we had that we could put in, it was about 15 and we needed to basically match that other 15. And I thought, well, if we put in some, maybe the crowd, maybe my local community would be something they would want and they would invest and we can then maybe go from there. So crowdfunding fails because people don't put the right launch strategy. They don't put the right PR strategy in place. And I knew if I was going to do this properly, I would have to do a full run up to it with very structured plan, a very clear idea of what I wanted to achieve and a very realistic goal of what I wanted to achieve. So I had a research around what other people had done around crowdfunding and seen what sorts of things they'd done. And it became very clear that the incentive had to be right. So I had to really think about, is this something people would want to invest in? Is this something that people would actually want to give money in advance to get something in return? and be really clear on what it was that they would be investing in and what they would get. The other thing that I really noticed when I was looking into the crowdfunding was the rewards have to be worthwhile. So people, when they they call it a reward, and I use the platform called Kickstarter, there are plenty of like GoFundMe and other various different platforms out there. I chose Kickstarter because I thought it was the most user-friendly one 
that would suit my audience. So I had to really think about who my customers were and what would work for them. When I was looking into the actual logistics of what the rewards would be, I realised that it really needed to be of benefit to them. It really needed to be something that they felt like they were getting good value for money. They were doing something good for the community, but they would actually get something really great in return as well. I've put in a whole plan about how I was actually going to deliver a crowdfunding campaign. And I started working on this a good six weeks before I actually launched it. And the key thing with crowdfunding campaigns is you have about 30 to 40 days or so to really raise that amount of money that you needed. So I looked at what we could put in and I thought 15. I kind of looked at the different targets of what I really wanted to achieve and I thought 15,000 seems like a relatively achievable number. It wasn't too high. It was what we needed. And I felt that with the right investment and the right amount of backers, we could really actually get there. That's where we kind of started, really. So I started by putting a plan together, and this included a lot of marketing. So I put a video together that had me talking about why I was doing the crowdfunding campaign. I put a social media strategy together. So I actually planned in all of the content that was going to be happening. We spoke to our local mayor. So we got people in the town involved before we actually launched it and said, this is what we want to do. What do you think? Can you back us? Can you help support us? I put an email campaign together, so I made sure that all the emails were going out correctly. I spoke to my marketing consultancy. We put together a PR plan as well as looked at at what kind of key points would we really want to be hitting the media and getting those stories out there. So we had a huge amount of strategy. And then the next part of it was working out exactly how I was going to communicate with people that are likely to invest. I put together a series of rewards. So there were quite a lot of rewards we had, but they varied from really, really low level for people that didn't necessarily have lots of money, but wanted to be part of it from £10. And for that, you would get a tote bag um, and you'll be doing something good for the community up to a thousand. So for people that really, truly believed in what we were doing and wanted to give those one-off commitments they got a thousand pounds and I, you know, they, they invested a thousand pounds and they got an even bigger award. So there was a real variety of price ranges that people could invest to that would keep people involved. And also then every time someone would invest, we'd encourage them to share it on their social channels. And it would be a way of sort of the community getting involved, getting behind it. And I'd be able to show them what they would get in return and talk through all of the different stages. It was a really well thought out sort of plan, if you like. So it wasn't just something that I kind of went, oh, I'm going to do a crowdfunding campaign and see how it goes. There was a huge amount of strategy that really went behind it. But I thought, well, if I put, I'm going to give this my best effort. I'm going to put all of this structure in place. I'm going to make sure I've got a whole launch plan lined up. I've got activities lined up throughout that 30 days. So I did just do it for 30 days. I thought, well, if at the end of the 30 days, I don't get the money. I know this is something the town don't want, so it's not worth my investment. And that's how I did it. So that's how I kind of focused my, my goal was to get this amount of money because I felt like it was something the community, community would benefit from and it's something I really wanted to do. But actually by the end of that 30 days, if I hadn't got the money, I'd know it was the ultimate marketing research campaign of people don't want this in my town. It kind of worked in two ways, but I was also very aware of the stats around it. So I was very aware that 
three in four of these crowdfunding campaigns fail. And I was determined to make sure that that didn't happen to me. So this is why I put that very strong strategy in place from the very beginning, because I wanted to make sure that I was going to actually deliver what I set out to achieve. And if I didn't deliver it, if I didn't put all of this work in and it didn't work, I'll know it's not the right thing for the town. And the other great thing about a crowdfunding campaign is that it brings a community together. Having that power of community. I am a big believer in collaborations. I think this makes the business world so much better. And community is particularly in the industry of hospitality and food. Community is so very important. People investing in your business and investing in an idea and a thought or something that would benefit them. It just brings people together. There is so much power in that. That is why the crowdfunding campaign really, really worked for me because I put that very clear strategy in place. So sold it into the media. So I was on the radio quite regularly. I was working the local Facebook groups. The local mayor was doing a fantastic job as well. They, he was really, really behind it, which really helped build that campaign. So it just showed the power of the people. People were sharing it. I was doing newspaper articles, regular social media, regular emails. That kind of built the momentum around it. So it really encouraged people to get involved and want to take part and get that FOMO. So if someone invested and someone else hadn't, they'd start to get the fear of missing out. So they would want to partake in it. So that was how the crowdfunding sort of campaign sort of worked. In amongst all of that and making sure you got some really great rewards, anything from spread subscriptions. So people would get like a three month bread subscription where they come in and get a loaf of bread and a coffee every week and we would have that all pre-prepared so we'd also know how much we'll be preparing in advance which was also really really good but all of those great rewards meant that during that whole campaign so every time someone invested they would get an email back from me so I'd really nurture that audience as well so people that had already spent the money and invested and were part of that community I would then just not kind of go thanks and say see you later I nurtured them throughout the entire journey. So I kept them updated. I sent them news articles. I made sure they were thanked at every single stage a lot because they'd invested in me. I mean, that is such a humbling thing. I think in the end, we had over 300 people invest in my business, ranging in all kinds of different price ranges. But have 300 people back your idea is incredible. And I felt so unbelievably grateful. So I really wanted to make sure that they felt that gratitude of what they've achieved. So this wasn't just me doing it. I might have been the person that kind of started it, but this was this was a community that built this. This was something for them. And I wanted them to really understand that. So I tried to make sure that while I was promoting and trying to get as many people to sign up as possible, that I was also then giving a lot of love back to the community and showing what the benefits were. We hit our £15,000 target, I think, a week before uh, crowdfunding campaign timeline ended. So we actually, in the end, got up to 17000 because people kept on donating past that. So the great thing with a crowdfunding campaign is it's better to set a target slightly lower that might be more achievable, but you can then set a, set a stretch target. So people that might have invested already might then invest a little bit more as well because it's much easier for people to invest more once they've already invested, believe it or not. It's just the psychology of selling in some ways. 
you know, we managed to raise the £17,000. We really celebrated that win. We then did another round of news articles, radio, all of those kind of things. So we really went to town on promoting it, nurturing that audience, promoting it all the way through. So then once we'd hit that target, it was then about building that relationship with our audience and the community. So we'd made sure that we really worked hard at nurturing them, keeping them updated, sharing videos of like the ovens going in, which was a lot of work. I'll talk about that one on another podcast. Um, And then we also did, my husband who has a laser cutting machine also then did a wall plaque type thing. So put a, a three kind of wooden pictures up on the wall that had all of our backers names on it. So people could come in and see their name on the wall of us celebrating what they had done and what they'd achieved with this bakery. It was a really great thing to have done. And it was a great way to kind of leverage and get the community involved and promote your business as well. It just really had so many benefits of, you know, doing a crowdfunding campaign. And it then also got the community something they wanted. It got me something I wanted. It built that relationship and rapport with our customers even better because they felt like they were more likely to come into our place because they'd invested. So they came to our cafe and had, every time they come in to maybe pick up something, like if they'd got a three-month bread subscription that they'd invested in, for instance, so they paid the, I can't remember how much it was, probably about £30 or so, probably 30 35 something like that. If they paid for that £35 bread subscription, they would come in every week, pick up their loaf, get their free coffee and then probably buy pastry on the side. We actually ended up then making more money off that particular customer because they would then invest and buy a little bit more while they're there. The other really important thing with the crowdfunding campaign is once it is completed and you've hit that target, I had 300 backers. The next bit is a lot of admin. If you've got a whole different list of rewards and they've got to be executed within certain timeframes because that is always I always recommend probably with this kind of a campaign having a time limit on when they can claim their rewards because you don't want the motive and ended. So for me, it was 12 months that people had to come and get their rewards. After that, it was null and void. You then got to make sure that people are clear on how they can come and get their rewards and how the system works. It was making sure that particularly when it came to sort of administering all the different rewards that my team that were front facing on the customer side of it were very very clear on how to do that because it's a lot of admin so we had kind of a big spreadsheet of all of the different people what kind of reward they were expecting and then how many times they had collected their award because we did subscriptions because we thought subscriptions would be a really great way to keep people coming back in week on week so making sure there is a real clear way on how people can administer the actual and get their actual rewards was also really important. So you keep on nurturing them, keep touching base with people, making sure that you know what's going on. If for whatever reason they need to adjust or change their award, be very clear on what the what your rules are around that. Because we had a few people that would ask various different questions or want to change something. And we would have a bit of flexibility. So say if they had a three-month bread subscription, but they couldn't come in for one week to collect it, then we would move it on a week. But we know that, so we didn't go and overpair the amount of orders that we would need. That was why I think the crowdfunding campaign worked so well, because it had all of that structure behind it. it, had a lot of planning, it had a lot of execution and being making sure it was really 
all the community was nurtured all the way through that particular campaign. It can be very easy to overlook something like crowdfunding because baking businesses, particularly if you're looking to open a place, they're not they're not cheap. You're going to have to invest some money into it. If you're doing it at home, of course, you can do it on a lot lower cost. But if you're not doing it at home, it can cost a lot more and you need to be very aware of that. But what a crowdfunding campaign does do is allow you to build that audience from the get go. You have to put the right campaign in. You have to really plan it. But if you do it right, it will work really, really well for you. And you've got a community backing you before you even started. So that's why, for me, it works so well. And it was honestly one of my probably one of my proudest moments to have achieved that because I honestly was completely overwhelmed by how many people had actually invested in my, my business. I mean, we were, were a small town. We had a small cafe. And yet all of these people came out and gave their money for something that they wanted. And it was just an idea I'd had. That is a bit of a whistle stop tour of crowdfunding. I'll probably go into this again in a bit more detail at a later stage. But have you ever, you know, maybe drop me an email. Have you thought about crowdfunding on how that might work for your baking business? or? Are you thinking about how you might open a cafe but not sure how to go around it? Think crowdfunding might work for you. Maybe just drop me an email or drop me a DM at I am Baking Boss or email me at naomi at bakingboss.net. It'd be really great to hear your stories and your thoughts around this. Okay, so that was that was this week's episode on how to crowdfund a baking business. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a topic I can talk a lot about because I think crowdfunding campaigns are brilliant. But I hope you all have a great week and I'll be back again next week for another episode. And as ever, happy baking. Thank you for listening to Baking Boss Kitchen Secrets with Naomi Rose. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please do give it a review. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. If you want to get some useful resources, then do visit my website, bakingboss.net. And give me a follow on social media at Naomi Rose Baking Boss and I am Baking Boss. We'll see you on the next episode.